two questions chronologically in the Gospels, and that was Zacharias and Mary in Luke chapter 1. This morning we'll be in Matthew chapter 2, um, talking about the Magi coming and asking, where is this king? So let's pray, and then we'll read it. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for a new opportunity um, to glorify you in this day. We pray for um, your word to be open to us this morning, that we, our hearts would be enlightened, that our desire would be to know you more, draw closer, um, and uh, be used by you in a greater way, um, not for our sake, but for your sake and for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of those around us. Um, so just pray that we would uh, enjoy this time and that we would be changed as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read the first 12 verses. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who, was, who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of, Jude, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented, him, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. So, we probably ought to kind of address the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, Magi show up. They come from the east and they arrive in Jerusalem. So, um, first of all, how many were there? Going to try to catch somebody there. We don't know. Well, the tradition says three because there were three gifts. So everybody says, well, there must have been three of them. Nobody knows for sure. There were more than, more than one because Magi is plural. Um, how would you, what did they do? How would you best describe what they did? Yeah, they're astrologers, they're stargazers. They're, they're, that's one of the, the things that they're known for. Obviously, they were watching the stars. They saw Jesus' star in the sky. Where were they from? The east? Any more than that? Anybody? Probably Babylon, Persia, you know, that kind of area over there. Um, what's the singular of magi? I had to look it up. Anybody? Magus, yes. M-A-G-U-S. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of that. Um, 
They were uh, members of a hereditary priestly class among the ancient Medes and Persians. That's from the dictionary. Magician, sorcerer, what other titles have they been given? Wise men? Huh? Uh, yeah, kings. We three kings, those kind of things. Anyone else? Um, in Persia, they, they might have been known as magicians, as sorcerers. Um, in Daniel's day, they were magicians, conjurers, sorcerers, and Chaldeans. Um, I think I put that up there. Yeah, so Daniel 2, 1 to 2. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep, and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. Okay? Um, so we see that these are, this is probably where they're from. And then um, even Daniel and his friends were included in that. Because of this, the, this is later on in that same chapter, after the king has said, you got to tell me what the dream is and then tell me what it means. And they're going, well, nobody, nobody can do that. Nobody's ever asked anybody to do that. And he said, because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. So they were obviously included in these wise guys, right? Um, all right, so these magi, were they Jews? No. Um, there's no indication whatsoever that they were. Why would they be looking for the Jewish Messiah? Right. Right. They, they, they knew about, of course, they saw the star, what that exactly looked like. We don't know. Um, they saw a star. How did they know it was his star? Don't know. Maybe they paid better attention than the Jews did. And maybe better than we do. Um, but there, was, there were some texts that they could have used. They probably had, as Porter was referring to, Daniel 9.24. Daniel was in Persia when he's having these um, when the Lord is revealing these things. And 70 weeks have been decreed for your people. Um, I've actually got this here, so I'm going to focus, focus this away. Um, and your holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end to sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince... There will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, uh, yeah, 62 weeks, uh, it and it will be built again with plaza and moat even in times of distress. So there were indications that you might be paying attention. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple math. I mean, it's prophecy, so it's not like exactly, you know, this many years, it, but it's pretty clear as far as prophecy goes. Um, did anyone else have this text? Besides the Chaldeans? Maybe the Jews had these, right? Maybe they should have been looking for a Jewish Messiah. Um, where did the Magi go? Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem. Why would you go to Jerusalem? Following the star, and, and this is the capital, where would you expect to find a king? Where the government's the center of the government, the, you know, the capital, that's where you would go. So they go to Jerusalem, they get there, in verse 2, um, let me get rid of that so it's not a distraction. Um, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. You mean, I mean, they walked into town and they're probably going, they're probably expecting to just go, hey, where's the king? I mean, Herod? No, the newborn king. Who? You know? Um, so th they're coming into town. Do you think they're probably excited? Yeah. How long have they been traveling? Probably months. Probably around three months. It's a 715-mile trip, roughly. So they planned this trip out. They're, they've made some accommodations for this trip, and it's not just a simple, hey, let's go over next door and, and see if we can find this king, right? Um, why did they come? To worship the king, this, this newborn baby, and to give him, and to give him uh, gifts. How long did they probably stay? Probably not real long, you know? Yeah, a couple days at the most. So they've traveled probably three months. They get there, they, you know, talk about, okay, where is this? You know, and then they end up in Jerusalem, or sorry, they end up in Bethlehem. They see Jesus, and they're probably the next day, they're getting provisions for their trip back. I mean, it's not like they're, it'd be a little awkward to say, hey, we want to hang out with you, Mary and Joseph and your baby. We just got here and, you know, so they're probably not there for very long. And then they got another three-month trip back. This is a big commitment. This is a big deal. Um, so is there anything odd about this question, where is the new king? How old do we assume Jesus is by now? Three or four months, right? Should this question have maybe been asked by other people? Yeah, by the priests, by the Jews, a number of people, right? Um, if you were a person of faith and you believed the Scriptures and you'd studied the Scriptures, would you maybe have some anticipation that Daniel's prophecy was about due? Yeah, you should. And you say, well, okay, maybe, but I would have needed more evidence personally, right? So like what? Like a pregnant girl who claims to be a virgin shows up in the town that's been prophesied that the Messiah will be born in? Maybe. And maybe before that, a priest suddenly goes mute after being chosen by Lot to burn incense in the temple. Then his elderly wife gets pregnant, and he gets his voice back that he, he names his son. What's that? Yeah, shepherds. They all of a sudden a bunch of angels are there singing the Hallelujah chorus, and you know they get told go look for this baby. Um, 
What about an old man and an old woman who each go kind of nuts when this baby's parents bring him to the temple to be dedicated? That's already happened, you know? Does any of this help? Okay. 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 For what? Very strong Jewish community guilt. Why would they come for what part of it? Why would they come to spare the Jewish guilt? Okay. How do they know this? Um, my hunch is that, that, that there's a something in their background to save them for this. And it may be that they have some of the writings. We know that the Talmud, Babylon, Talmud is right. the Jewish community right. there in Babylon. So they're right. there. Yeah. It is possible. Yeah, there's no indication of that, and, and their title would kind of suggest otherwise, but it, it is possible. It is possible. Um, so asking, do, do these things help, these things that have, that have taken place, do they help you to get to that point where you go, oh, yeah, I should have been expecting a, a Messiah? Well, not really. You know why? Because he didn't come the way they thought or we thought he should have come. Where's the fanfare? Where's the royal couple getting pregnant and announcing to the world that they have a son? What's up with this little tramp who suddenly shows up pregnant claiming an angel told her God was going to have her carry his son? Oh, that's rich. Um, sorry, I lost my place there. Some nobody priest from the hill country, his wife gets pregnant, big deal. Lots of influential people in Jerusalem. There are lots of them. Why couldn't, you know, why wouldn't you use one of them? Well, and I think it, it's exactly that. It's the humility that he came in. Yeah. Makes it dismissed. Right. Because the expectation was sort of a fanfare. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody would have expected Judas to betray Jesus just because it's like Judas is this awesome name. It's like this mm. Washington type name. Right. Yeah. And you would expect this explosive activity. And it's the Macedonia vault that Jesus comes in. And, and why would people from nowhere who aren't even, like, there's no proper facility that was born. Right. So it's pre promised and pre production yeah. Exactly. It, it is so benign. It is so common. Um, there's this crazy old man and lady in the temple. Really? Seriously? Who gives their whole life to hanging out in the temple? That's just weird. You know, why didn't God rip open the skies and uh, for all to see and shine a brilliant light down that was impossible to ignore? Why didn't he just do that? And that's an interesting question. You know, 
we're going to get to it here in a minute where, the, where now we know that they've followed the star to Jerusalem. And then they get to Jerusalem, and apparently the star's not necessarily pointing in the direction just yet. They, they come and they ask, where is he? And then they start heading to Bethlehem, and the star shows up, and it stops right over the place where they are. Did they the only were they the only ones who could see it? I know I'm I'm the same thing. It's like was nobody else paying attention? Or did nobody else I don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, our yeah, our, our, our nativity scenes are, you know, we're cramming everything into one thing. And no, they didn't, they were not still in a stable that, you know, by that time. And, you know, because Joseph was from there, we assume he had family. They probably had some place that they had found that they could live other than just in a stable. That was a one night deal. Um, so, yeah. So they're not, they're, right. 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 Um, all right. So God didn't do it the way we would have done it because he's God and we're not. It's really what it comes down to. Um, so I uh, already asked this question. But I want to ask it again. I want to think through this a little bit more. Why did these three men come? Or these, sorry, see, I, I just did it. Why did these men come? They came to worship. Huh? Right. They came to worship, right? It's what they said. They came to worship. They came to give gifts to who? A baby. A little baby. They traveled likely three months-ish um, for what? To worship a baby who wasn't even of their nationality, most likely tribe, people, group, whatever. The Jews had a new king born to them. They didn't even throw a baby shower. I mean, the underwhelming nature of this is, should just be slapping us in the face. Virtually no one knew he existed. He was just like the illegitimate child of that sinner girl who, shouldn't have been, who should have been stoned and the idiot who was still planning to marry her. You know, that's, that's all they knew about. Anybody knew about him, which wasn't very many people. What's that? Oh, no, I'm sure they did not forget. That's not the nature of the Jewish people at this time. Did the shepherds not say anything? Who listens to shepherds? I, I mean, I think that's the thing, is, is God didn't do, he didn't, send the word to the big impressive people because he knew that they were consumed with themselves um, he sent it to shepherds and and the the humble because that's who he is he's humble yeah and I think also like the, the difficulty is, is when you hear about it but when's the last time Israel had an official king right prior to Jesus like you go back a ways this would be massive but when you look at the arguments of like yes but if you tell someone they're Right. Recognize that 
can be rejected. Right. Because it cannot make an impact unless the heart that feels it is willing to receive. Right. And so our choice to to be humble and to be yielded is, is more significant than it's going to take. Yeah. And the, the shepherds can care. It, it's the, the joke of worship. Like, I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it. Right. And that's, I think that's so much more than we understand. Like, when we receive and when we're blessed by something in Scripture, right. the importance of giving that credit to the Holy Spirit. You know, having gotten through Jesus and Christ. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of hard hearted people. I'm often, too oftentimes, one of those, right? Um, so I just, yeah, I'm kind of overwhelmed by the underwhelmingness of it. Um, that, that nobody, I don't know, I'm sure you've heard there's supposed to be a big eclipse in October, and I think it's, I think this is the one where, like, Kerrville area is supposed to be kind of an epicenter sort of a thing. And I was just reading something last night about, you know, probably go get your groceries a couple of days before, you know, cause, and don't try to go anywhere because the streets are, you know, people are going to be just pulling off the road and it's going to be chaos, right? That's for something that's happened multiple times before, right? It's not like this is new. Um, the, the Jewish king who was the savior of the world came once and nobody really seems to have much concern or care. All right, so moving on to verse 3. So um, the Magi come, they go, where's this king? Everybody goes, huh? Um, but Herod hears about it. Of course, he hears about there's, there's this king. So he's, he's a little upset. And it says all of Jerusalem with him. Interesting. Um, first thing I want to point out is in these first three verses, um, Matthew says, now Jesus, after he was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, says Herod the king there, the Magi come and they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And then verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, um, and as you go through, whenever he says, whenever he talks about Herod after this, he doesn't say Herod the king. It just is interesting to me that he points out Herod the king after talking about Jesus, the king, um, what do you know about Herod? He what? Illegitimate king. What else? What else? Did his whole family is pretty horrific. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Was he? He was. Wh why was he illegitimate? Yeah, he's appointed by the Romans. Is he a Jew? Yeah, he's, he's really an um, Edomite, I think, or I don't remember, but he's not, he's not a Jew. He's not a full Jew. Um, so does he have reason to be troubled? Yeah, his whole, his whole thing is, is keeping power that doesn't really belong to him. So his whole, every, everything that he's about, he, he, he killed... He's had like nine wives or whatever, but he killed his wife and her two brothers because he thought that they were, you know, having this conspiracy against him. So, um, yeah, he 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 had a right. He had a reason to be um, a little nervous because he has no right to claim the throne. But there he is. Um, 
So he's power hungry. He needed to do everything in his power to keep his power. What a contrast between Jesus and Herod, the king. Herod, the king, versus Jesus, the king, the king of the Jews, the true king of the Jews, who is this three- or four-month-old baby, completely vulnerable. You go, well, at least he's in this fortress where he's, like, you know, protected. No, he's probably in some one-room shack or, you know, not much. Um, it's, the contrast is huge, and I think that maybe that's why Herod the king, Jesus the king of the Jews. I just found that it's one of those things where when you see repeated phrases and terms and um, words, you kind of should be paying attention. So it kind of jumped out at me, out at me a little bit. Um, God sent his all-powerful son as a helpless baby into a hostile environment. But this is not a problem. Why? God's power is perfected in human weakness. Jesus in his humanity had to be weak. He had to be nothing. He had to be the dregs of society in order to accomplish God's plan. Herod was a joke. And really, so is every earthly ruler. People feel like they've got power, you know, and oftentimes we assign too much power to those who are supposedly in power, right? We, we act like we're in sad shape because, you know, our party isn't in power or, you know, the other party is going to come and whatever, you know. It's like rulers and authorities in this world are going to come and go. You know, what are we doing? Who are we trusting in? Okay, so we understand why Herod was troubled. Why is all of Jerusalem troubled, too? Yeah. Right. It's like, uh-oh, yeah, we, this, this isn't good. This could be bad. The funny thing is, is that they all wanted to get rid of Rome, so they're, yeah, they're, they're looking for that king, as we see throughout the New Testament or through the Gospels, you know, the, the disciples, the, you know, everybody's hoping that Jesus is this conquering, overthrowing Rome kind of a guy, you know. Um, so that's certainly part of it. One of the commentaries uh, that I read indicated the size of the caravan um, from the east may have disturbed the city because, again, they're... They're bringing valuable gifts. We know there's at least two magi, but they've probably got servants and all kinds of stuff. They're, they're obviously wealthy. They brought expensive gifts. Um, so, yeah, they would have had who knows how many, but it's probably a noticeable, you know, group that, that shows up in the city. Lugie, were you going to say yeah. something? Right. But it really is more of like this is a explorer regimen. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, you're going from a civilized country to another civilized country. So it's not like you're going into an unknown territory, but you are going en masse with provisions and supplies. Right. And the full kit. 
and you're going through hostile territory, most, I mean, the wilderness areas where there can be bandits, whatever. So yeah, you want some protection. You're not just two or three guys on camels with, you know, a couple of pack animals, you know. This is probably a fairly good size retinue, you know. They got their posse with them, so to speak. Use the young kids' terms that I probably don't use well. Um, and then there were probably a lot of people who did. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think there, there were probably a, a number of people who didn't really want the status quo upset. Again, we see that through the Gospels, that there were those who were kind of like, you know, if you want to play our game, play our power game, then, then we're okay with that. Um, there may have been many that were excited at the idea. This is kind of what uh, I think Lugie was referring to, that, that hey, this, this, you know, potential of overthrowing Rome, but that's also a scary deal. That's also a little frightening. Um, so does it seem odd to you that the nation of Israel just in the recent months had a new prince born, and it has to be a crowd from out of town that ends up letting everybody know about it? That should, that should surprise us a little bit. What happens when a royal British couple gets pregnant and then has a son? The whole world knows about this whole thing, whether you want to or not, whether you care or not. I don't care, but I get to hear about it. Um, okay, moving on, we're going to uh, just kind of go a little quicker through these last, uh, through the rest of this. Um, so they gather together all the chief priests, the scribes of the people. He asked them, where is the Messiah to be born? They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what's been written by the prophet, and they give that prophecy. Um, what does this tell us about the priests and the scribes? That when asked, they can tell you, this is where he's going to be born. They know where he's supposed to be born, right? They knew the scriptures. Does knowing the scriptures guarantee... Accuracy of interpretation. No, we know that all too well. Who knows lots of scripture but doesn't apply it correctly? Satan. You see that in the temptation to Jesus. He knows lots of scripture, but he doesn't apply it correctly because every time Jesus is like, that's not, the way it, that's not the way it works. I really have to wonder, what was it like for the Magi? They know the Jewish king has been born, they traveled a great distance to see him. When they get there, no one, at least immediately, seems to know what they're talking about. They pull into town. They go, where's the king? Again, Herod's over there. What are you talking about, this newborn king? Um, they have to convene a bunch of smart guys to figure out what they're asking about. You have to wonder if they're going, did we, did we misinterpret? Did, did we miss something? Are we here at the wrong time? Did we... Miss it by a year? Are we supposed to be coming later? You know, you have to wonder. That would be really weird. You just had a king born, and nobody seems to be aware of it. Um, then through verses 7 and 8, Herod secretly called the Magi, determined from the, them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I can come and worship him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is Herod's motivation? Yeah, he's fear of losing power. 
I gotta deal with this, I gotta put this down. Maintain power at all costs. Were the Magi naive to have told Herod? Perhaps, but I mean, they're, they're just coming in going, we expect to find a king. Um, verses nine, to 10, 9 through 11, after hearing the king, they went their way. The star which had been seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So, Magi, here's the picture. They're in Jerusalem. They get the word. Bethlehem. Okay, cool. Bethlehem, that's where he is. Let's go. Where's everybody else? Now everybody knows where the king is. Everybody's excited, right? Everybody's going to go journey with them to see the new king. No. They had to be going, what in the world is going on here? I mean, it just seems really, really weird. There's no indication that anybody else went. Just the wise guys. They're the only ones. Which makes it clear why they got the name wise men. Seemed like they're the only wise ones here. We talked about this earlier. Did anyone else see the star? Maybe it doesn't seem like they did. Did he just did God just make it visible to the Magi? I don't know. What would keep people from seeing it? What's that? Maybe. What else? Got to know what you're looking for. Okay. Right. Right. We want to say we're very reasonable and that when we see something, we respond to it. But oftentimes we choose and then we reject things right. and move forward. And I think that's what we see here. And it's not that the Lord cannot move past that, but it's specifically the choice of how Jesus was supposed to come. In this version, it's going to be very different than when he comes the second time and people aren't going to be able to say, like, oh, he's been around? Right. I didn't I see him. No yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it. I think it does come down to. Am I wanting to see anything? Am I expecting to see anything? And I again, you know, we mentioned. I mentioned last week. You know, four hundred years is the last time they've had any kind of prophetic word um, until until uh, you know we hear about John the Baptist going to be coming. Um, so there's a long. They're they're not really anticipating or expecting although they should have been, again, because of Daniel. Um, but I think it's just disbelief, a lack of faith in God's Word. And, and so I think, like you're talking about uh, evolution, you can, we can look at the exact same thing. And I see one thing, you see something else because of where we're starting out from. Because we're going, I can be going, God works in amazing ways, and that's pretty amazing. 
And somebody else can be going, there is no God. So I've got to explain that phenomenon in some other way. And so I think that may be part of it. I, maybe they could see, I don't know whether they could see it or not, but it's, it certainly brings up a lot of questions in my mind. Um, Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So you know, it's promising. Right. That if you knew what to look for in the stars, you would get baffled. Even though it's literally shine on the house. Right. Right. It would be just something like they started inquiring around because they had gone as far as they could. Next step is the Mediterranean Sea. Right. Yeah, and I mean, God clearly did something because the, the, it was over the house, you know, so, you know, it, it came and stood over the place where the child was. So, so certainly there was something miraculous as well, it seems like. Um, so, anyway. Right, right. Yeah, I think some people were. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and which is a great point that sometimes we come to the Lord with our preconceived notions of what he should be, how he should work, how things should work out for us. And when they don't work out that way, we tend to be like, hmm, not sure about this, right? Um, so, yeah. Okay, let me see if I can finish this up here. Um, so after their experience in Jerusalem, it's not hard to see why they rejoiced at seeing the star. Imagine they may have been questioning their journey. And so then they came and they fell to the ground and worshipped this month's-old infant, and they gave him extravagant gifts. Does anything strike you about this scene? Here are these... Again, however many well, very wealthy, probably well-dressed men who come and probably kind of a hovel, not much of an impressive house, certainly not a palace, and they're kneeling down willingly, excitedly, recognizing that this is significant. This is a big deal. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. How can you justify any of this? Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, 
they did came they came to worship and they that's exactly what they did yeah uh, they had their pers- they had the right perspective they had the right priority that Israel didn't seem to have um, so then verse 12 after having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod the Magi left for their own country by another way so they listened to the direction of God and they didn't let Herod know where they found Jesus so we're going to talk about a little bit about application while we've uh, in the last few minutes here. Um, so one of the things that really jumps out to me is worship. What does worship really mean? Because let's be honest, in, in our culture, too many times, worship means singing. That's pretty much the extent of what anybody thinks it means. I'm pretty certain these guys didn't come in and start singing hymns, you know. What is, what is worship? Yeah. Where is, what's that? Yeah, paying homage. Yes. So um, I will give you the dictionary definition. uh, To honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Okay. That's very dictionary. Um, Value. What do you value? What do others see that you value? What you value is what you worship. Where's your focus? What do you focus on? Where's your focus most of the day? Time. What do you spend your time on? Where do you spend your time? What's it spent on? Thoughts. What captures your thoughts? Where do they wander? Where do they stay? Money. What do you spend your money on? What do you think about spending it on? What is the focus of what you've been given? We've all been given time. We've all been given money. We've all been given some sort of resources. We have these brains that have thoughts that, that sometimes we just let wander, sometimes we entertain, sometimes we um, do any number of things with. What do we worship? What do we value? If you really want to know what you value, find somebody who will be honest with you and ask them. Because oftentimes we don't really tell ourselves the truth. What does it look like to worship your Savior with what he's given you? The time, the talents, the resources. What does that look like? Well, I sing to him a lot. Well, that's not a bad thing, but that's not it. That's not all. Do you value time with him? Do you desire to get to know him better? What would you give up to spend time with your Savior? Let 
We're pretty much out of time, but any last thoughts? Go ahead, Gwen. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So it's more than just the last few months. It's just the knowledge. Right. Yeah, good point. Yeah, Anna? I was just going to say that um, they clarified, or the, the Bible clarified, the, the worship thing of the only worship of Jesus. Yeah. And I think to me that just really solidifies that we're not supposed to worship idols. Right. Right. Okay, we're going to worship him and yeah. Him. yeah, the focus is on Jesus, the king. They, they recognize what's important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, worship the king on his terms, according to his perfect will. All right. Lugie, will you pray for us?